Hide your, your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous, dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Think email spam is bad now? MailChimp just integrated OpenAI's GPT Tech into its software, and the ladders couldn't be happier. Hi, kids. You're listening to the <laughs> Chad and Cheese Podcast, Does Recruitment Marketing. I'm your co-host, Joel Hormel Cheeseman. I'm Chad. Pass me a Budweiser, so wash. I always forget <laughs> the name. That's why you write them down. How many shows have we done? <laughs> Um, Julie, I don't know why I'm on this show, Kelly. <laughs> oh, my God. On this episode, remote layoffs, Hilton gets it, and Bud Light triggers conservatives. See what I did there? Let's do this. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's up, kids? He's back from Vegas. So how'd it go? <laughs> you, you, you had the family in tow. So I, I, did you take uh, Jeremy to the Spearmint Rhino? Or, or I mean, how, how'd it go? Wow. You just went right there, <laughs> didn't you? Um, so we went to Vegas, but I wouldn't say we went to Vegas. Uh, first day was Hoover Dam. Second day was Grand Canyon. Third day was, you know, Red Rocks hiking excursion. And it wasn't until the last day that we did sort of uh, the strip and, you know, the uh, the stratosphere and the uh, the roller coaster at New York, New York, uh, you know, had had good meals on the strip. I mean, yeah, it was, I didn't put my six-year-old, you know, at the blackjack table and headed to the sports book or anything. I mean, it was, uh, it was a family vacation. It was most like family vacations. It was equal parts, you know, loving, laughing, uh, engaging, and then equal parts, I want to punch you in the throat and I wish you were dead kind of thing. Well, so, well Cole being 16 and around that much sex, not to have access to it, that that to me sounds like I was not a, that was not a good play. Why would you go spearmint rhino with my six-year-old and then sexcapades <laughs> with my 16-year-old? There's roller coasters. This is what happens when I'm gone for a week. Chad like stuffs all this in and then it's got to come out on the very first podcast recording that we did. No, we've been it's talking good. about it all week. I mean, we there's two podcasts <laughs> we've been talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so then now we're going to unleash in vegas in a couple of weeks hr yep. techs in vegas i'll be at sherman i'm i might as well get a, a condo in vegas at this point we're going to be there so often <laughs> cole can take care of it yes <laughs> thank you for not bringing my daughter into any of this by the way you do have some guardrails which is nice <laughs> 
Hey, I was a 16-year-old boy at one time. I know uh, I, I know the yeah. hormones that are coursing yeah. through that. And you had a 13-year-old girl at one point, too, which is why you know not to bring that That's bring exactly that right. Game. Yes. I would kill a motherfucker. Well, here's a question, though. Did they enjoy it? Parts of it. Like any family vacation. I mean, I think there was probably too much hiking uh, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably too much in the car at one point. It sounds very Griswold. There was probably like, it's too cold out here at one point. Um, we did hit Vegas at a, in a cold front. Well, welcome back. My 16-year-old loves In-N-Out, so we got we did that. And he loves Gordon Ramsay, so like, let's go to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. So you kind of balance out <laughs> everyone hoping to be happy. And uh, I don't know. We didn't kill each other, so that's saying something. That is good. That is good, yes. I, yes. I uh, It's important because it's the impression that you leave on them. So when you say, hey, I have to go to this event for work for in Vegas, they're like, oh, that long car ride to the dam again. You know, they think that's what you're doing. <laughs> I don't think they I, think that's what I'm doing. No, in Vegas. Yeah. no, I don't. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Shout out. Uh, I'll go first since we're okay. talking about uh, In and Out Burger and and Gordon Ramsay. Uh, okay. My first shout out goes to Chick Fil A. Oh Jesus! Regardless chicken. of how you feel about their uh, political views, uh, their employees step up at at some point. So Sarah Massey's dog Molly was put down on January 27th of this year on January 26th, the day before Massey went to Chick-fil-A to get Molly her favorite meal, chicken nuggets. And whose favorite meal isn't chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A? Anyway, when she got to the window to pay, the staff told her they, quote, took care of it and didn't charge her for it. Massey posted a video of herself feeding Molly the nuggets on Instagram and Chick-fil-A later sent her a personalized painting of Molly along with a note expressing their condolences. Massey was touched by Chick-fil-A's gesture and said it will always hold a special place in her heart. Who says employees can't make a difference? It was employees that noticed this was happening. It was the employees that alerted the HQ and it was yes. the employees that generated this beautiful portrait as opposed to like, I don't know, a cow outfit or uh, a Chick-fil-A bib. I don't know what would typically go out. It was a custom was, gift. Was the dog with Jesus, though? That's a cool It was cool. Look, in the painting. Did they have the painting with, like, Jesus and the dog? Taco Bell <laughs> isn't doing this kind of shit. Like, I'm not saying it's specific to Chick-fil-A, but having solid employees that, that listen to customers and what's going on in their life makes a big difference, and it made a big it difference does. at this point. So Chick-fil-A right. or not, employees make a difference, and I thought it was worth a shout-out to Chick-fil-A and Massey and her dog, Molly. Great story. On this show. That's, yeah, that's that's beautiful. Chad, a man who loves dogs as much as you, what, that you're not touched by this. Nothing. Is, I didn't say that. I wasn't touched. <laughs> I just, think that, just thinking of the painting that's hanging over the mantle with, like, Jesus holding the dog while eating, you know, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I I'm mean, thinking, just, like, the dog is Jesus. Maybe it's like a, a oh, Last Supper oh. with the dog, and they're eating nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh, my God. Okay, Julie, shout out. We got to get out of this. Yeah. Pull us out, Julie. Pull us out of this. Well, shout out to Google for finally having these uh, the testing being done. I mean, they're not giving us much information about it right now, but Google job ads, paid job ads on Google. We have been waiting for this for a long time. So shout out to Google for and finally making it possible. We've been predicting it, it for a long time, so we're finally right? everybody's glad just that been Google, waiting. Now yet? Google stepped up. Is it now yet? Is now yeah, the time? Yeah. Shall we play a game? Yep. 
I took a shot at it and I finally got it right. So that's my one prediction I'll probably get right this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I made it three years ago. It was kind of yeah. obvious if they took this seriously, they were going to do it. I can't wait till like cost per click comes out and cost like I, all, when all the data comes out, that'll be, that'll be fun. And if the data kicks a certain competitor's ass, it will be really interesting to see where, where things go. Yep. Provided it's a better experience. Providing it's a better experience. Yes. Uh, shout out to our friend Brett Martz over at Bamco. That's there right. He was a guest on the show. The name of the episode is called Marketing is Clueless. Brett, he's been selling and working with marketing for years, and he has finally gotten this epiphany. Hey, what the hell is going on? Why aren't we treating our employees better so that our employees treat our customers better? The entire discussion was around that topic. It was amazing. We've got uh, so many uh, messages about that podcast. And uh, so I appreciate it. And shout out to Brett. And the compliments came from people who are usually the most critical of our episodes. So (laughs) the fact that they were complimentary, I think, says a lot that uh, you should check out that episode if marketing is important and recruiting (laughs) is important to you. Julie, there's a birthday that you're celebrating. Yes. Oh, do they get rum from Plum? Oh, that's a question. (laughs) Well, I'd love some rum from Plum. (laughs) Well, happy anniversary to Recruitment Marketing. Um, One year, we launched the site one year ago today. Thank you to our audience. Uh, We've spent the last year really listening to what resources, what can we provide to help better empower people in recruitment marketing and talent acquisition as we're all going through transformation so fast and Mm -hmm. things are changing so quickly, how can we help empower the people to make better change and advance the industry? Continuing to put out new articles and trends, but what I'm really excited about is um, we're about to launch two new uh, resources and experiences, one being a community for talent acquisition and recruitment marketing professionals. This community is free to, to use, and it, it, I believe, is going to create a way for people to be able to collaborate more on some of the biggest challenges we face. Is it going to be vetted? Yes. You do have to register with your authentic credentials, um, and we are paying attention to who's coming into the community. So we, we want it to be a professional community, um, and that is a community that we're launching. But in addition to that, we're also launching a marketplace to help people better understand the technologies, the solutions, and the providers that are out there so that we can build something that's really helpful for people to understand and find the right solutions. Hell yeah. And you can become part of that community if you're not already at recruitmentmarketing.com. Topics! All right, let's talk remote layoffs. Layoffs? They're becoming increasingly common as more and more companies allow their employees to work from home. McDonald's was in the news recently when they asked corporate employees who usually work from the office at least three days a week to do the job from home. The plan was to lay off hundreds of employees and the company preferred to deliver its news virtually instead of face-to-face. The pros of such a move, well, digesting the news in private, as well as the cost savings. The cons, there's no closure and maybe a level of stress that's not healthy for workers. And how about the impact on recruitment, retention, and the future of remote work? Chad, what is your take on the trend of remote layoffs? So, I mean, we're evolving our relationship to work. 
Uh, in America, we've bought into this rugged individualism narrative hook, line, and sinker. I know I did. I mean, I jumped in with both feet. Then the pandemic hit, and as people died around us, literally, uh, we started reevaluating life, not work, but life, right? So it was, it was also evident that companies had been boldface lying to us every day about their inability to support remote work. So as we started working from home, in rather quick and productive fashion, we started to think about how work would look on our terms, right? So I don't, I don't see remote work changing. I see our relationship with work changing. I was listening to the Pivot podcast about a week or so ago, and Liz Hoffman was a guest. She's a journalist from Semaphore, and she told a story about our favorite DJ, uh, David Solomon, uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs, he said um, he was at a country club during the weekday mm-hmm. and one of his workers strolled up and said hi after enjoying a day, enjoying a day at the beach. That interaction really pissed Solomon off. Why wasn't she at work and what was he paying her for? So this is the, the type of evolution that I'm talking about. Number one, the 40 hour work week was created in 1940 by Henry Ford for manufacturing, not for desk jobs. Solomon is paying for results. Not to mention Solomon was also at the fucking country club, right? So if you're getting all of what you're paying for, which is results, it shouldn't matter whether it's 10 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours, right? It all comes down to our relationship with work. And it has changed. The problem is we have guys like DJ Saul who doesn't want it to change. They want it to be the 1940s, 1930s. They want it to be Henry Ford and they want people at their desk. The problem is we're going to see some flux. Some companies who need the best talent will go remote and they will get the best talents. Um, but again, it's all about the job market, man. So I think I think it's here to stay. It's just going to expand and contract as the market does. Yeah, you know, remote work. Uh, we we've talked for a long time that it's going to be messy. Yeah, companies are going to figure it out. What's this look like? I think one of the sad you mentioned evolution. I don't know if it's evolution or devolution, but the the trend of laying people off in a non face to face manner um, that used to shock people. I remember stories of like, oh my God, they sent out an email to people or a text message, right? Now it's commonplace. And now we're talking about it being normal. Yeah. Like there are pros to this. You get to get laid off on your own time. You get to do it from the comfort of your home. The fact that McDonald's would say, hey, (laughs) you know, they didn't say people were laying off. Why don't you work from home for the rest of the week? Yeah. And then they got laid off. Well, there's your cue. Like if you're told by the company to go work from home, like you might get laid off. Um, They're not the first. Uh, We talked about Google recently laid off thousands via email. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, announced plans of big cuts in a 2000 word memo to employees. Even Pepsi, a more traditional company, uh, is laying off people in a digital remote manner. Um, What about Indeed? I think the sad part is Indeed, 2200 people. Yeah, we're just we're immune to it now. Yeah. And and in fact, we're moving to like it's a preference. Like if I'm going to get laid off, I'd rather I'd rather be, you know, in my lazy boy or you know, enjoying a day at the park or whatever than having to go to HR, be in a room with a f- table of 5 people and signing papers and whatever else. I just think it's funny that we've moved from like 
holy shit, how can you lay people off in a non face to face manner to like, how could you lay people off looking at them and in in a room with them like they should be alone in a in their house or apartment? Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy how quickly the world has moved from like when you when you talk about serious things and you lay someone off, you look them in the eye and you know you like have that face to face human connection. We've gone 180 from that, and whether it's good or not, it's a sign of the times, and it's the way things are going to be. Get used to them, and it's it's a it's a reaction or uh, just evolution, I guess, uh, of this remote work. We're going to remote work. We might as well lay people off when they're at home, and this is how we're going to do it. And this is going to be standard business practice from now on. I mean, this is an outcome of pandemic, right? That so many people were terminated in such a short period of time and had to do that remotely, right? Companies had to they had face to. that very quickly, yeah. right? They had to. Mm-hmm. So that's what forced change, forced it. Um, and then companies realized, wow, there is a way to execute on this. And and some companies did it very poorly. So let, let's start with that, right? Like the bar was pretty low uh, when, when we first all adapted to that in COVID times. But then we've reemerged from that. Now, we overhired for a while, you know, to fill that rise in demand. So a lot of companies are trying to level out now. So I don't call this really a decline. I call this like a getting back to normal levels from my viewpoint of it. And now companies are saying, yes, this is actually a more effective way to manage this communication plan with consistency, with process, to manage the experience so that it's not parted out and handed out into individual managers who might, you know, fub up the communication and not execute on that properly, which can create uh, risk. So this is a better way from a corporate perspective to execute on something like that. But wow, the little bait switch of like, oh, you can work from home this week and then find out you get laid off. Yeah, you're right. I'm with you on that, Joel. Um, Now, if I were inside one of those organizations and someone said, oh, you can go ahead and work remote tomorrow, I would pack (laughs) up all the stuff on my desk because I would be in complete fear that remote work now means potential to be terminated. So does that start to change the mindset of people of I need to be in the office or I might be on the chopping block? Well, people are going to start saying, you're not getting fired. We want you to work from home this week because of whatever <laughs> reason. Um, once One little story, uh, side note in terms of being laid off at work. Uh, back in the days when I was writing Cheesehead, I, I got a scoop on some big layoff at uh, Career Builder. And I posted it that night. And so that morning, everyone at Career Builder sort of saw that post. In the office. They didn't start. They, yeah, in the office. Everyone saw it, right? So yeah. it like spread like wildfire. And then they didn't start the layoffs until 2 o'clock that afternoon. So they spent an entire morning at Career Builder of people speculating, are there going to be layoffs? Who's going to be laid off? Um, and I, I talked to an executive there uh, that said, you wouldn't believe how much money we lost in productivity because of that blog post. So if everyone was working from home, it wouldn't spread as quickly if something like that happened. You wouldn't lose so much productivity. So in a side note, like companies... If everyone's at work, they lose productivity because all the the gossip around who's getting laid off. Maybe they can control it better. 
when they're in a remote remote situation. Anyway, productivity. You're about to lay people off. What? Do you, of course, you're going to lose productivity. Do you know it or not? Is the question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's they, they throw that shit in a Slack channel. It, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, I, I think so. T- take a look at what Indeed did. They laid off you know 2,200 people, but they had everybody come to a call. And yeah. then it, it took 10 minutes before they actually sent out an email to let the people know. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about your entire workforce being impacted during that time frame. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a figuring it out kind of a thing. And I, in that's going to be on the employer and the employee. You've got to figure out what you want out of this, right? If you want to be one of those ladder climbers, that's awesome. You probably need to be in the office. You need to be like I used to. I was an hour early. I was I stayed an hour late. I was the last one out of the office and I drove, you know, I had a commute of an hour one way, right? Yeah. But if you're not, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you really have to figure out what role you want to play and what type of position you want, or does life matter more to you? Right. Yeah. Personal choices and where you feel that you fit in a culture. And are you going to ever find a company that's a perfect fit for that? Nah. Right. Companies change yeah. and their culture changes. And people so, do too. Yes. Yeah, so th- there's a constant evolution of like at, at the right time, the right person, the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be today and it could not be tomorrow at any company for any person. Um, but you know, I, I know that companies have to do these types of layoffs, right? That that's a fact that they have to, can they do it well? Right. I think that there is better chance to do this in these ways that are remote and, and done so that you can manage with consistency than that one-to-one. So I, while I know that it does eliminate a lot of the humanized experience that we're used to, I do think it's an advancement towards making sure that it's done properly. By the way, in case anyone knows, Chad has promised me that when he lays me off, it will be face to face over a bottle of bourbon in case you are wondering. Well, and I mean, I really don't have to because I already have your voice cloned. So you're still going to be there. It's all good. <laughs> Just make sure you send the checks to the right address. We'll be right back, everybody. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Let's go to Hilton, shall we? Happy workers equal prosperous brands. What a concept. Am I, am I right? Hilton apparently takes it seriously though. The hotel chain has worked hard to cultivate an energized workforce to deliver on its brand promises. In addition to improving its workplace culture post COVID, which has been uh, ranked among the best in the world by independent organizations, Hilton is leveraging brand mashups and appealing to new age travelers Chad, what's your take on Hilton's new strategy? 
Well, it makes sense. I mean, again, it, we talked about uh, Brett Martz, the, our, our episode with him. He talked about an actual experience that he had at a hotel where they were understaffed and he got shitty service, right? Uh, then he talked about another experience. It wasn't in a hotel, but it was still, it was, it was a uh, customer experience where, you know, the, the employees were treated like shit. So therefore they treat the customers like shit, right? So that just kills your brand. It just blows my mind that this has been such a large, large blind spot for big marketing over the years. They're now starting to understand that. Joel, you and I in 2018, we're in Banff for the gathering and, and and we really saw, I mean, because we didn't really have that much uh, engagement with CMOs and brand leaders at that point. Then we started to realize these guys have no fucking clue about how they're, how, how they're treating employees, how the employees are treating customers, not to mention if you go through an application process, they're losing people there too because that's shit and they go into a black hole. They're so... So many areas where marketing is literally dropping the fucking ball. Uh, now that Hilton is finally found out, uh, and now they're 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 doing all these great things to talk about how they finally how how old is Hilton? Jesus Christ! It's got to be a fifty plus year. Jesus, it's got to be 50, 60, easy, 75 easy. year company. Yeah. So I stayed at an Airbnb uh, in my uh, time in Las Vegas. Uh, we talked about my vacation. I don't want to say I'm done with Airbnb, but I'm I'm pretty close. Uh, not just for the uh, the quality of some of the housing and the customer service, which is none. It's the person who owns the house, basically. An Airbnb customer service has to be a third man in that if there's issues. Now more than ever, if you're a traditional hotel, your employees are part of that huge differentiation from yes. this juggernaut they call Airbnb. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. While it may be convenient, tech, you know, tech, conv- you know, efficient, um, pricing might be better. Your employees, if you're a hotel, are your differentiator from Airbnb because Airbnb has jack shit when it comes to like employee support, a smiling face to welcome you, um, all that good stuff that we sort of took for granted at hotels. And the good news is, you know, market forces and competition have have made hotels up their game in the level that we're talking about with Hilton. Um, And it makes a difference in the customer service. I'm more apt to go to a hotel now because of the shitty experiences I've had with Airbnb. And I don't think I would have said that five years ago. I would have said hotels suck. Airbnb is where it's at. And there was a period where Airbnbs were all really good. It was like the best people. They really cared. Now it's like people who buy investment properties and just do a little fix up and hope that you, you know, pay for the, uh, you know, the cost of the mortgage. So I think that's key. I also love um, this brand mashup thing. Uh, I know we talked, my wife and I are watching TV last night and Peloton uh, has a commercial about how our Peloton, it's a, it's the hotel commercial, but how Pelotons are going to be in the hotels and it's not going to be a regular, like shitty experience. And my wife was like, Oh, that's a really good deal for Peloton. That's kind of cool. So like the other is like having Starbucks have a lifestyle thing at the hotel. So for me, this is all really good, but you need employees to make it all work. And for that, uh, I think that's great. And I, I, I certainly expect the Hilton, uh, example to come to all hotels, uh, certainly your high end hotels, because that employee 
is the differentiator from technology and the Airbnb uh, juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, and so many companies are having a hard time hiring frontline workers, right? And I put hospitality into that. Yes. They're having a hard time hiring them, right? And now they're also saying, like, we want to hire those that are energized and, like, you know, bring that that high level of service to our brand. Okay, so now you need people and you need the right kind of people. That has everything to do with the experience that you're going to bring to them. Because if you're already struggling to fill the demand, right, we have um, a shortage of frontline workers and their interest to to work in these jobs. So if that's the case, what are you going to do to attract them as well? Because this is the really important part. You can claim we want an energized workforce, but can you make them come? Can they show up? Um that is going to have to do with not just, you know, running great ads and doing great recruitment marketing. That is going to have everything to do with the type of experience you provide your employees. And that then is going to circle back into the potential to bring more. Because if you really are giving a great experience, if they really are enjoying the work and and that is leading to Hilton being a great provider, people are going to be proud to be part of that. And that's the story you want to tell that brings the full cycle around. Great employees are going to be a great customer service experience. They're happy. They're spreading that around. That's a successful company. That attracts more people. That's how the circle of life works in this uh, in this case. It it seems like a small thing, but people love you know. If I say I work at Hilton and someone says, "Oh, I saw that commercial. You guys got Pelotons in there," and like that's really cool shit. Like that means something to people that work there. We think it's a small thing, but it it does mean something. Yeah, I love the brand mashup. I think that there's so many people who are cult brand to Starbucks, Peloton, like they love something about a brand. You have the ability to tap into that cult-like experience and bring it into your own, mashing these things up. I I think it's genius to do that. And it's only taken Hilton 103 years (laughs) to fucking (laughs) get there. Great job, Hilton. Conrad Hilton. Yeah, Conrad Hilton is rolling in his grave right now. (laughs) Oh, let's transfer from that to wokeness. Oh, my favorite. I know. I know. All right. So, go woke, go broke has been a popular rallying cry for conservatives as of late. Many high profile companies are struggling with political tensions. Around the country, Disney's Bob Iger said the company would, quote, quiet down culture war controversies back in November. And now it's come to beer with Budweiser triggering conservatives with a campaign featuring a transgender influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. In protest, Kid Rock shot cans of beer on Instagram. Chad, there's a lot to unpack here. Your thoughts. So there is one constant in this world, and that's change. And every woke initiative is forward leaning, which is exactly what we want from companies. Instead of looking only to the next quarter, they're building for the next generation. And that's what scares the shit out of MAGA people like Kid Rock. MAGA people want it to be 1930 again. And as younger adults have demonstrated, that just ain't going to fucking happen. A couple of examples. Uh, we you're talking about government. Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, two young black state representatives in the state of Tennessee, were expelled from the House after joining a gun demonstration and then amplifying 
the sentiment on the House floor. Jones is 27 and Pearson is 29. They're not allowing this shit to pass. Jones was unanimously reinstated back into the Tennessee State House earlier this week, and I believe Pearson will be soon to follow. They are not allowing this dumb, backward-looking shit to happen. Then last week, in a pivotal Wisconsin Supreme Court race, young voters turned out to elect a pro-choice justice. So let's close the loop here. Kids aren't just voting, they're occupying seats in government. And yes, also buying shit. Anheuser-Busch, the maker of Budweiser, has been around for 171 years. So they understand that next quarter's profits are important, but making sure you're relevant to the next generation is fucking vital to their existence. So being woke isn't just I mean, good for business. It's the only business. And I bet Anheuser-Busch... Rather would rather be called woke than caught yearning for the days of 1930. Yeah, the historical perspective perspective is really interesting here, and and I talk all the time about part of the benefit of us having a podcast chat is we're old old people uh, and we remember shit. I know, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there was a day where the only women in ads were in the kitchen, yeah, uh, you know, making dinner, or whatever, right? Uh, and it wasn't until Virginia Slims. You've come a long way, baby, um, took hold. But the model then was like, we're going to make a cigarette just for women. Yeah, it's the same goddamn cigarette, but we're going to say it's just for women, make it thinner or whatever. Or bring home the bacon fried up in a pan. Remember that one? Yes. uh, (laughs) Another example, right? Um, And that was the 80s where women, you know, divorce. And anyway, I don't want to get into that perspective. But then you had, I remember Billy D. Williams Pimpin' Colt 45, Mm -hmm. which seems super stupid and archaic today, but that was how it was. Like, black person promoting what we're targeting is a black product. That doesn't work anymore today. All products are for everyone. Can you imagine Bud Light saying, we're going to make a gay beer? (laughs) It just isn't, it just does, it just, it sounds stupid when you say it, but 50 years ago, that might have been a thing. Um, So, To me, historically, like we have always had pushback or hesitancy or fear of of combining certain people with different products. And, hey, they drink beer just like you do. You know, they do this just like you do. They drive this car just like you do. They're human beings. Yeah. Segmenting products and brands is just a really archaic idea. Um, And I think it's just inevitable. History is on the side of Budweiser whether you like it or not. And most of the people that are bitching about this are 50 plus year old white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Get off my lawn. And I'm one of them. So I, I can relate to, uh, to that perspective. But yeah, history is not on your side. History is on, history is on the side of inclusivity. I know not everyone's going to love it, but every everyone didn't like, you know, women's cigarettes or <laughs> Billy D. Williams. I mean, to think about when gay couples or mixed couples on TV was like, what the fuck is that about? Like, that's normal now. No one like really goes nuts about like when Ellen kissed a chick on TV, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Now it's nothing. So eventually we get to a point where this is nothing, but for now it's something and it's worthy of talking about on a on a podcast. But history is on the side of inclusivity on this one. And inevitably, I think Budweiser is, uh, is going to be applauded for this decision at some point. Yeah. In today's world, it is almost impossible to be a neutral brand because you then you don't stand for anything. Mm. Pe- you know, being authentic is standing for something. 
in this case, you know, I'm very proud of Anheuser-Busch for even when all of the press and the uh, publicity came back, they made a choice to still stand, to stand and not to give in to the transphobia behavior that was coming out Mm -hmm. against it. They didn't pull it back. They stood with it. They're standing for something that makes them a brand that then speaks to an audience. Now, um, the younger Gen Z demographic is the audience that they need to appeal to. Chad, I love what you said. They need to think about their future because statistically, the Proud Boys are going to age out and the Gen Z is going to is going to fill in the consumer market of the future mm-hmm. and that is an audience that cares about inclusivity in the end um like let's view this for what it was it was a campaign yes like budweiser runs lots of campaigns mm-hmm. they work with hundreds of influencers i'm sure that if you went through the list of every influencer you'd find somebody you didn't agree with what they they stand for But this isn't the spokesperson for their entire brand. This is one of many of the influencers. Influencer marketing is part of the world today and brands. Brands lean in on influencers to reach different types of audiences. This is one of them. There are many of them. And and this is the one that's catching a lot of attention right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hey, that's... That's actually a good campaign that brings out a lot of attention. And, you know, to watch now Jack Daniels get thrown under the bus here, too, with this, because they also have a campaign running to be um, expressing inclusivity. Um, But in the end, your business, where do you measure this as success? Go look at your stock. Anheuser-Busch's stock is up six points. (laughs) Now, so is that because everybody's saying, I don't want to buy your beer? Or is that because they're buying 12 cases and shooting it up on their front lawn? Like, like, whatever is going on, it is working, right? If, if If the... the goal of marketing is to deliver communication about your brand mm-hmm. that drives sales and revenue. They won. They did it. They increased their value. They're increasing their sta- sales. Their stock is on a buy right now. Um, like that is a success because they just rallied people who probably could have cared less about Bud Light who now are going to stand with the brand and be proud mm-hmm. because of it standing for itself against the transphobia that's being expressed to it. So go ahead and shoot it up off your front lawn and pour the beer out. But you know what? You bought that beer that you're pouring out on your front lawn. You're you're giving them press. You're giving them the audience on a silver platter that they want anyways. So bravo. Thank you for standing, Anheuser-Busch. And, uh, you know, all those that are um, – that are – being so judgmental of like a single commemorative can. It's not even printed in all the stores. Like, what are you doing? Um, take a breath. <laughs> it's an easy math problem. You take a look at demographics today and then you take a look at it in less than 20 years from now, right? Who do you want to appeal to, right? It's, it's, very, it's very simple. And to be able to make these types of big moves. It's not a big fucking move. It's one can, as you'd said, right? Yeah. It's not a big move, but yet they, again, are are really focusing on not the baby boomers anymore, right? Not the, right. In, in the population in less than 20 years, Caucasian is going to be minority. 
you're going to see a lot of this movement in the next 10 years at least. So as we talk about this today, get ready for the massive move, the massive marketing move. I will say it's uh, it's really unfortunate in a time in America where we're dealing with shootings on a regular basis mm-hmm. that someone would take a semiotic, semi-automatic weapon to beer cans, which essentially is representative of the trans community. I think you could loosely say, I mean, it's just a really bad thing for the country that we've come to a point where like, let's take guns and shoot at beers who represent this campaign of people of trans. So anyway. Not marketing related, but still a sad commentary. There's a lot of future here that like we need to be careful, like, like brands. Brands are a thing of their own, but when they start leaning into people, they start to have the identity associated with those people. I mean, we're watching that a lot. Like we see Elon Musk and like, but let me, let me bring up uh, Jared, which is a Netflix special right now, right? Who, who was the uh, poster child for Subway. Yes. And, you know, lost a few hundred pounds eating just Subway. They put him on tour, right? So he became the face of the brand then only to find out that he's a pedophile right now. Subway wants to run away from that as quickly as possible. But this is the problem. Humans are perfectly imperfect and they're always going to make mistakes and they're going to do terrible things. And brands want to remain this consistent, um, forward thinking, inclusive area where they're not, you know, alienating any types of customers they could potentially have or, or any markets. They want to remain open and neutral, but this is a dangerous game that we're going to be playing as Companies are leaning more in on influencers. Mm. Those influencers are going to have an effect on the brand. So that's what we're talking about here. So anytime you tie a brand to a person, whether it's a CEO or a fat guy from Bloomington, Indiana, I mean, you run <laughs> you run those risks. And we talk about brand mashups, Pelotons and hotels. And so like Peloton affects Hilton, affects other brands. So yeah, most companies just stay the hell out of it. But uh, to applaud the ones that don't, uh, Julie, to your point, um, is worth talking about. Just like we're done talking (laughs) on this episode. We actually agreed, all of us, on a woke topic. How good is that? Kumbaya, baby. (laughs) We out. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.